Good morning, Big Apple Church. I don't know how John does things here, but I'm a pretty loud person. And my answer to the choir is yes, sir, that's good news. That sounds awesome. Uh, I hope you're here today uh, to worship God and you come ready to hear the word preached. I know we have an Easter egg hunt going on, but I just give me your attention for a few minutes and then we can go on and enjoy this beautiful weather. Um, I obviously didn't get the memo. It's 80 degrees outside and I wore a suit. Harlem will not let me not wear a suit. I would rather come to church in jeans and a t-shirt, but amen. Uh, why don't we go to God with the word of prayer? I have a very encouraging message for you this morning, and we're going to jump right into it. Let's pray. Our awesome God in heaven, Father, we truly are grateful for the death of Christ Jesus, for him dying for us on the cross, for him nailing our sins to the cross so that we could have an intimate relationship with you. And Father, we are even more grateful that Jesus rose from the dead, proving that our faith is not in vain. Father, proving that our sins are truly forgiven and that the, door to the, the doorway to a relationship with you has truly been opened. And I pray that my words today will just enforce that truth. God, I pray for those of us who are visiting today will give you the opportunity to convince us of that truth. I pray that as a fellowship, we will walk with our heads held high. We will walk with our convictions deepened because of that truth. And I pray that our faith will not fail us and that this truth will keep our souls anchored to you. We love and thank you. It's in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title of my message today is simply, If He Lives. If He Lives. Let's look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 19. It says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then that means not even Christ has been risen. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he has raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Now here the Apostle Paul was trying to settle a dispute among the Corinthian Christians about the resurrection. Some of them did not believe that the body could be resurrected. And so Paul is making this argument. He's used if seven times in this passage to explain the consequences of what some believed about the resurrection. Now, Jesus either, Jesus either rose or he did not. Now, you got to understand something. For us Christians, there's a lot riding on the resurrection. And it's not just all the money we've invested in our churches and, and, and missions, but our own faith. Our hope of being with God for eternity. There is a lot riding on the resurrection. And so when we come to worship the resurrection of Christ, which we do each day, 
There's a lot of our faith, our hopes, our dreams tied into the truth of the resurrection. And so if Jesus did not, in fact, raise from the dead, then you're just wasting your time here. You could be outside enjoying this beautiful weather. You got all dressed up for nothing. And you're listening to this guy from uptown speak for 30 minutes on a, on, on, on a story, on a subject that matters nothing because he's not risen. But if he lives, then our lives, our lives can be changed forever. You know, Paul said that if only for this hope, if we only have hope for this life, meaning for this time, this day and age, this earth, if there's no hope for afterlife, no hope for eternity, then we are to be pitied more than all men. We spent our whole lives believing in a fairy tale. If Jesus was resurrected, then that means it's all true. His claims, his promises, his authority, the miracles, the teachings. If Jesus was in fact raised from the dead, then that means it's all true. The creation, the parting of the Red Sea, the exodus, Peter walking on water. You can't take some of it and believe and, and dispel the others. No, if Jesus rose from the dead, then everything about Jesus is absolutely true. And it should impact the way we live. So I have one point for us this beautiful morning. If you believe that Christ has risen, then it should show in how you're living. Do you agree with that? If you believe that Jesus, in fact, died for your sins, then we should live in a way that is absolutely grateful that he died in place of ours. That we didn't have to be nailed to the cross, that we didn't have to be flogged for our, and punished for our own sin, but Jesus himself became the ultimate sacrifice for us. And I don't know about you, but I am absolutely grateful that Jesus died and not me. You know, the first century... In the first century, no one doubted the crucifixion because there were witnesses there to see what happened to Jesus on the cross. You know, everyone was there to witness it in Luke chapter 23, 48 through 49. You can read through that. Everyone was there. There were people there. There were his accusers. There were his followers. There were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Roman, uh, the Roman uh, guards. Everyone was there to see Jesus nailed to the cross. The guards confirmed that Jesus died on the cross. Now, I don't know if you know about Roman execution, but these guys were perfection. They were, they were professional killers. They knew how to kill someone and make a statement. And so they were there. They confirmed his death. They made sure he breathed his last. They carried his body to the tomb. The body of Jesus was carried to the tomb. By those who executed him, they knew for sure that he was dead when they placed his body into the tomb. So after all that, the angels came down from heaven and they confirmed when Mary and Martha went to visit the tomb and the grave of Jesus, they confirmed, why are you, why are you here? He's not here. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? So no one doubted the crucifixion. And, you know, I think oftentimes for us Christians, we're so grateful for Jesus dying for our sins because that was the hard part. 
was having our sins atoned for. Jesus did the hard part. But when it comes to the resurrection, when it comes to believing that Jesus, in fact, rose from the dead. Now, I don't know about you, but for someone to have been declared dead for three days and then come back to life, that's impossible. That's amazing. But that's, in fact, what happened because, you see, many doubted the resurrection. No one doubted the crucifixion because they saw it with their eyes. And we live in a world today where believing is seeing. And sometimes it takes us a while to even believe what we see. It's like, did that really happen? And so people were there. They, they heard Jesus breathe out his last. They heard him cry, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabach. They heard him exhale, it is finished. But the resurrection... You know, the Bible tells us that the disciples went back to their, their, old, uh, their old lives because Jesus was dead. And Jesus spent three years with them telling them that he had to die, and on the third day he would come back to life. But they didn't believe it. You see, many doubted the resurrection. So I thought, well, what are some possible scenarios that would lead people to doubt the resurrection of Jesus? Well... Jesus' body vanished into thin air. That makes sense, doesn't it? It was hot in Israel, and maybe the heat evaporated his body. Perhaps it was a case of postmortem spontaneous human combustion, except that not everything was consumed because the Bible says that his burial garments remained in the tomb. Also, the Bible says that Jesus appeared to people after his death. So, if Jesus disappeared in the thin air, how do you explain that? Secondly, what about maybe Jesus' disciples stole his body, fabricating that the hoax of the whole resurrection? Well, the disciples were certainly disappointed that Jesus had died and didn't understand his death, but would they be willing to perpetrate a hoax on themselves? I mean, their families, their fellow believers, would they be willing to hold to this lie when their wives and children and fellow brothers and sisters were being mistreated, tortured, and executed? You see, without the resurrection, the disciples had no reason to believe Jesus, much less die for his cause. How about this scenario? Jesus' enemies stole the body. But here's the thing, the enemies had no reason to steal the body. In fact, to make sure that the body wasn't stolen, they placed a Roman guard in front of the tomb to make sure that Jesus' disciples would not come and try to steal the body. And Romans did not play. If his enemies did steal the body, they must have forgotten where they placed it. Why else would they fail to produce the body when after the third day when Jesus said, he was coming back. They could have produced the body and said, no, see, here he is right here. Or they could have taken all the, all the believers and showed them the tomb. See, his body's right there, just where we laid him. But they didn't because they didn't have the body. So if you want to squash the rumors of the resurrection, produce a dead body. Parade the corpse in the streets for a few days. That would squash a resurrection hoax. 
Or what about this? Jesus faked his death. He didn't actually die on the cross. Maybe he just fainted and and appeared to be dead. But you see, the Romans were thorough. They made sure, they even stuck a a spear in his side. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, how many of us are afraid to get a needle when we go to the doctor? Imagine someone jabbing a spear in your side to make sure. I mean, come on. That would have woke him right up, right? I mean, he's up there. Oh, 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 guys, I was just playing, but whoa, man. I mean, you know, it's like you didn't have to go. You had to do all that. But, I mean, that would have woke him right up if he was trying to fake his death. They would have known if their job was not done. They were professionals. The women went to the wrong tomb. Here's another scenario. Maybe Mary and, and Martha, maybe they just went to the wrong tomb. Maybe they misplaced where he was laid and thought, oh, it's over there. Let's go over here. If this was so, they would have discovered soon enough. And certainly Thomas, of all people, would have uncovered the imposter when he asked to see his wounds. Maybe, you know, this guy shows up and, 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 and he faked his death. He's like, hey, here I am. No, this, Thomas would have figured it out. He would have exposed it. And Mary and Martha was actually the only two who followed Jesus to the cross. They sat there and watched, and they followed and watched where he was laid. These women would have never forgotten where their Lord and Savior was buried. And here's the last scenario. The disciples suffered mass psychosis. (laughs) Have you ever heard or seen Mass psychosis so so powerful that it lasts for decades. I mean, with the whole group and everyone thought and, and, and felt the same thing at the same time, and it lasts for decades. Also, why didn't the enemies of Jesus produce the body and discredit the disciples once again? You see, these are all possible scenarios to the resurrection not happening or being true. But the truth of the matter is, It happened. It happened. You know, Paul's theory was, if it were not true, our faith in preaching is in vain. If it were not true, our faith is futile and our sins are not forgiven. If it was not true, then we are to be pitied more than all men. We're wasting our time if the resurrection was not true. But here's the thing. If the resurrection is true then Christianity is true and should be, it should be practiced by everyone. If the resurrection is true, then we can tap into the resurrection power of Jesus to help change our lives. If the resurrection is true, then we have hope of a future life with Jesus Christ in eternity. Mary went to the tomb. She expected to find a dead Jesus according to Mark 16 verse 5. But instead, she heard the most important words ever spoken to a human being from an angel. Mark 16, verse 6, it says, he is not here. He has risen just as he said. Imagine the joy they felt when those angels told them that Jesus had indeed rose from the dead. They went there expecting to find a dead corpse, but instead they found an empty tomb. You know, I can imagine the excitement welling up in their hearts, saying so, and he is alive. He is true. You know, sometimes our hope dies when we put all of our trust 
You know, sometimes we, we put all our hope and our trust in our marriages. And we get disappointed when our spouse don't meet our expectations. Or sometimes as, as children, we put all our hope and our trust and our faith in our parents. And maybe they make a decision that changes the course of our lives. And, 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 and we grow up embittered or we grow up wishing things had been different. Or maybe we put our hope and our trust and all of our, 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 our dreams into the church and, and, and the church does something or make a decision and it, and it hurts us or it, or, it, or, it, or it affects us in some way. You can put your hope in God and never be disappointed because God is not just a God of expectations. God is a God of truth. The Bible says it's impossible for him to lie. So if Jesus said, I'm coming back, I'm coming back. How does that impact your life? We should walk around with the confidence in our salvation that not even Satan himself can discourage because Jesus rose from the dead. You know, if you go around, you go around Jerusalem, there are over 150 graves, 150,000 graves on Mount Olive where Jesus often prayed with his disciples. None of them belonged to Jesus. You'll find Zachariah's grave. You'll find the tomb of David. You'll find the tomb of Rebekah. You'll find the tomb of Absalom. But you won't find the grave of Jesus. Why? Because he is risen. You know, after the crucifixion, in John chapter 20, on the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had already convinced myself that Jesus was dead and here we are having Bible talk or having a little family gathering and he stands right next to me and says, James, peace be with you. I'd flip out, especially if I attended the funeral. So I can't fault the disciples reactions here. This is after he said this, he showed them the wounds in his hands and said the disciples were overjoyed. When they saw the Lord, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You know, even though Jesus had come back, there were some who doubted. And I believe that to, even today, there's some of us who doubt. We doubt whether or not we've made the right choice of making Jesus Lord of our lives. Because life seems uncomfortable. Maybe you've suffered some loss in your life. Maybe you've gone through an intense situation, intense trial, and you're like, if Jesus was truly loving me, if God was truly my Savior, then why am I suffering this way? You know, I've had an intense back situation happen from the month of October till recently here in March, and, and it was intense to the point to where I couldn't sit or stand for more than 20 minutes. And I recently just had surgery, March 9th, I had surgery on my back, my lower back, and, and it was the most painful thing I've ever gone through. And it, I've had my moments. I read my Bible every day. I prayed every day. But there were times where I found myself asking God, why are you allowing this to happen? Why am I in such pain? I'm your servant. I've given up my life to serve you and to serve your church. Why are you allowing this to happen? You know, sometimes we think that just because Jesus is Lord, we shouldn't go through anything. That there should be no suffering. That there should be no pain. He hadn't promised that. 
But he did promise that he would walk with you when you go through it. You know, even though we walk with Jesus, there are times we doubt. There are times we question whether or not we are, we're, we're still in the faith. And just because you're going through something doesn't mean or your, your faith takes a hit. It doesn't mean that God is, stop, is still not with you. In fact, the Bible says that God is close to the brokenhearted. Doesn't it say that in Psalms? So when you're brokenhearted, God is even close. I believe God draws closer to us because he knows when we go through an intense situation, we need him the most. So there were disciples who doubt. I can't believe, you know, and you know, I love how Jesus responded to their doubts. He didn't rebuke them. He said, here, touch, see for yourself. Because he understood. He understood. And I believe that God right now is willing to meet us where we're at. You don't have to be a super believer in order to have a walk with God. You don't need to know the Bible from front, from front to backwards in order to have a relationship with God. Jesus will meet you right where you're at. Jesus will meet you right where your faith is at. You don't have to memorize all the Old Testament books or speak Greek and, and Hebrew to just make Jesus Lord of your life. All you have to do is believe and accept the, grip, the gift of grace. Now, after the resurrection, the disciples went back to their old lives, living as if Jesus would not return. Their dreams and their hopes had died with him. Let me ask you, how would Jesus find you living? If he stood among you today, how would he find you living? Would he find you living as if he rose from the dead? Or would he find you living as if he was still in the grave? How will you respond to the resurrection? You know, I think we have to ask ourselves the question, how have I responded to the cross? How have I responded to the resurrection of Jesus? The disciples' response to his resurrection once Jesus reappeared to them, it was miraculous. These men went from being cowards to being heroes. And over in Mark, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, Acts 4, verse 13, listen to what it says. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could not see, but since they could see that man had been healed among them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows that they have done an outstanding miracle. And we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking of what we have seen and heard. Now, you may not have been there to physically see Jesus hanging from the cross or to have physically seen Jesus raised from the dead. But you are among a, a cloud of witnesses right now of people who have witnessed God's resurrection power in the lives of many. If you are a baptized disciple right now, give yourself a round of applause. Let me just hear you clap it up. 
you're sitting next to, you're sitting next to a recipient of the miraculous resurrection power of Jesus Christ. People who have seen through the word of God, whose faith has been formed and shaped through the power of the word of God. People who have responded to the resurrection power of God. When you look at these people's lives, if you ask them to share your testimony, tell me why you made Jesus Lord, you'll see that a lot of us came from lives where we had no idea who Jesus was. We had no idea the story about the cross. We had no idea the plans that God had for us. Some of us, God has rose, rose us from the depths and the dead lives of, of, of addiction. Some of us have come from immoral lives. God has rescued you from those things. You probably tried on your own. Today, I'm going to be a good person. Today, I'm going to be a good person. This week is going to be different. This weekend is going to be different. I'm going to make different choices. You tried and you tried and you tried on your own for years. And it wasn't until you came into the contact with the power of Jesus that your life was changed from the inside out. And that you can stand and say, glory be to God. I am a new person because of the power of Jesus. Because of Jesus Christ, we've avoided making decisions that could have ruined our lives. Because of the power of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit, some of us are rebounding from the bad decisions we've made. We're able to handle the consequences because now we have the word of God strengthening our convictions. We have a fellowship of believers that we can lean on. We have people who are also forgiven sinners who can relate to our pain, to our hurt, to our suffering. You know, I don't know about you, but I love encouragement. I need encouragement. I need to hear somebody say, bro, it's going to be all right. Because every now and again, you're going through something alone. And you just need that person in your corner. You just need a kind word. You need someone to remind you that our hope is anchored in the truth. See, the disciples of Jesus went from fearful to courageous, from uncertain to absolutely sure, from keeping their faith locked behind closed doors to we cannot help but speaking about what we have seen or heard. When, you, when you're grateful for yourself, you just can't help it. You're having a conversation with someone and you're just looking for an opportunity to, to talk about God because you're so grateful for what God has done with you. You know, you're listening to him, you're listening to him, and you're just trying to, okay, how, can I, how can I fit God in here? How can I fit church in here? How can I fit, how can I invite them to study the Bible? Because I want, I know this can help them. I want them to know, I want them to know what makes me so joyful. I want them to know how I persevered through this. And I know that they need Jesus. And we're just waiting for opportunities to, to, to avoid cutting them off and say, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but look, let me show you something right here. You just can't help. The disciples couldn't help themselves. They look, you want us to stop, but we can't. We can't tell. We can't lie about what we've seen. The man rose from the dead. I saw him hanging on the cross. I saw him breathe his last. We laid him in the tomb. Three days later, I went back to fishing. I had some brothers over the house. We enjoyed some of the fish that I caught, which was a great day, by the way. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is standing in the middle of the living room like, peace be with you, my brothers. <laughs> and you want me to, you think I made that up? You think I'm going to lie about something like I can't get it out of my head? 
Everything that he's ever told me, all the promises, all flooding back to my heart. My heart is overwhelmed. I can't help but talk about him. That's what the resurrection does to those who believe. See, this is the power of the resurrection to transform lives forever. It took this young man from the inner city of Brooklyn, growing up in the Bronx, life going all crazy. It took him and transformed his life. I never thought I'd be preaching. But it was the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that gave me a dream. I'm like, I can't keep this to myself. I can't keep this to myself. And God, take you, God will take you from one place to places you never thought you had dreamed you'd ever be. What does it mean to you? What does Easter mean to you? What does Jesus mean to you? You see, to those who have been changed by the power of the resurrection, he's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine in true theology. He's the only one able to supply all our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and saves. He guards and he guides. He's the key of knowledge. He's the wellspring of of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of leaders. He's the overseer of overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of priests. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He is indescribable, incomprehensible, invincible, irresistible. I'm telling you, the heavens cannot contain him, let alone man explain him. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. The Pharisees can't stand him, but they still couldn't stop him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. That's who he is. We're not here. We're not here to just celebrate some bunny hiding eggs. Although that's fun. I like a little marshmallow chick every now and again myself. But I'm here to convince you that the resurrection is true. And if the resurrection is true, then we got to live, we got to live as if it is. In conclusion, in Acts chapter 2, verse 24, it says, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. The resurrection is real. It was impossible for death to keep Jesus in the grave. True believers live like they know he lives. You see it in their lives. You see it in their faith. You hear it in their testimonies. You see it in their convictions. This is a true anchor for our souls. If he lives, then we must live 
like he is risen. I love you guys. To God be the glory.